that really is the main focus of everything about the Christian life. And I only have one problem with your song, Miss Karen. It's November. We don't do Christmas music till December. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I, there's, there's a couple camps there, aren't there? And I'm, I'm walking a thin line. And, uh, but if you want to believe the Bible, you're going to wait till December to play Christmas music. And Okay, I'm just kidding. That went over really, really poorly. And I'm... Don't fire me, okay? <laughs> Anyways, all right. Well, we're going to be in Proverbs here tonight, chapter 21. And uh, boys, go forth, prosper. And uh, if uh, you're not normally here on uh, Sunday night with us, um, I don't think anybody's got one, so you don't need to raise your hand. They're just going to do what they do. And um, we, uh, we've kind of adjusted Sunday nights a little bit. Um, if I can describe it this way, it's a family service that's very practical, it's our one service uh, uh, during the week where we're kind of all in here together, uh, excluding the nursery kids. They're never allowed in here. Um, and just, again, man, this isn't going over well tonight. Okay. Um, but um, it's our one service. We're kind of all in here together and very thankful for that. Uh, but just kind of intended, uh, I want Sunday night to be practical. I want it to be something you can take home and use uh, that God could uh, help and bless. We had a great series on prayer that we did. Uh, I benefited a lot just from the study of that, and so very thankful for it. And we've been doing, uh, for the last couple months here, we've been working on this idea of uh, finances and uh, called the series Dollars and Cents and uh, how God wants us to have a biblical view about money. And so uh, we've had a good time, in my estimation, uh, going through and looking at the scriptures and what they have to say. And we started getting into a little bit more practical nuts and bolts of things so last week we did talk about tithing, and uh, I, I'm very thankful that God has given clear instruction about that, and uh, very thankful we can take a look at God's Word and what He has to say. And this week we're going to look at this idea of saving and investing, saving and investing, and look at it from a biblical worldview and a biblical perspective, because that really is the most important thing and the one that matters the most. So if you found your place there in Proverbs 21, verse 20, and you're able to, let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's Word, Proverbs chapter number 21 and verse number 20. Proverbs chapter number 21 and uh, verse number 20, it says this, There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. But a foolish man spendeth it up. Now, of course, the truth of this verse is very plainly a proverb that God has given us is this. Wise people lay things up and don't just spend it all as soon as they get it. Right? There, there's something to be said about those who set aside some for the rainy days. And so here we have this contrast of wise and foolish. And a wise man will put treasure, he'll lay up stores... A foolish man spends it all. So let's talk about saving and investing here tonight. May God bless you his word. You could be seated. And thank you for standing in honor of the scriptures here tonight. So uh, maybe i start by asking some of these questions. What was the first thing you ever saved for? Uh, some of y'all might have to think back a ways, uh, thinking about something maybe you really desired or wanted. Uh, I can think back when I was a kid. And there was something that I really wanted. I don't remember what it is. It was probably a video game or something, knowing me. And uh, I, I really wanted it. My parents said, well, if you want it, you got to buy it. Because we're not buying it for you. And so in my little brain, I started racking, what can I do? So then you ask your parents, what can I do to earn money? 
And so then they give you, at least my parents did, gave me jobs uh, that I could work and earn an allowance and save it uh, so that I could build up enough money to get what I wanted. And saving really is deferring pleasure today so that you can get what you want most tomorrow, yeah. right? Unfortunately, in our American society, which we've already had a lesson on debt, uh, many people have forgotten that principle because you can get today and pay tomorrow. Uh, but God's Word has a lot of great wisdom in this deferring pleasure today so that you can have what you really want uh, tomorrow and saving. My generation, uh, unfortunately... Uh, we grew up with parents who had accumulated and worked their whole life to get things. And somehow my generation thought as soon as we got out of high school or college or whatever it was, we would have everything and more that our parents had. And so that it doesn't work that way. There's sacrifice and saving and investing that needs to happen in order to get to that. So maybe it was a bike that you saved up for, a present that you wanted to buy for somebody else, a pair of shoes... Whatever your story is, you probably can think of a time that you really did save for something and you said, I'm going to delay getting what I want right now because there's something I really want in the future that I'm saving and setting aside for. Now, currently, I had to look this up because all-knowing Google is all-knowing, amen? And 62% uh, of American adults say that they are currently living paycheck to paycheck. 62%. Well, if that's the case, then I think God maybe would want us to learn uh, this discipline of saving and living below our means so that we have some to set aside for the future, right? And so we're going to look at some of that principles here this evening. So let me give you a quick review of where we've been, and then we'll jump right into where we are. So we've talked about everything belongs to God, and it comes from God. God doesn't just get the 10%. He has it all and we're supposed to be good stewards of it and it's a shift in our thinking about our finances we also talked about this don't be a sluggard god wants you to work god designed work all the way even before the fall and god wants you to be involved in work uh, learn this learn contentment okay contentment godliness with contentment the bible says is great gain contentment is a wonderful thing to learn and you can learn it by giving thanks and learning to give to others we learned about this in lesson number four, debt is dangerous, so do your best to avoid bad debt because debt is a dangerous tool, uh, especially consumer debt. Be careful about it and be mindful to stay away from it. In the fifth lesson we learned this, you need to develop that curse word, a budget, right? That might come up again here tonight, so develop a budget, stick to it, and learn to tell your money where to go each month. And then last week we talked about this. God wants you to give your tithe, 10%, of all your increase. And he wants you to do it by faith. As God's word declares what you're, you're, you're supposed to do it, you do it by faith. You just act in faith and watch how God will bless. So the question needs to be asked here tonight. And we'll make quick work of this because I know there's food back there. And the cobbler is calling your name. Amen. So what is saving? What is saving? Well, saving is income not spent but set aside for future use as we've already described uh, kind of in the introduction here it's delaying what you want now because you want something more in the future right it's, it's setting aside you say i'm not going to go eat out this meal because i'm trying to save for a down payment for a house it's saying i'm not going to do this because i'm saving for this right it's income that you decide i'm not going to spend this right now 
I'm going to set it aside so that I have it for something to use in the future. So Proverbs 13.22 gives some explanation of this. The first part of the verse says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Uh, boy, there's uh, some truth in there. Uh, the Bible says if you, you're a good man, the Bible says you'll do what you can to build up wealth so that when you leave this scene, you have something to, to pass on to your children and their children's children. Proverbs 6, 6-8 uh, talks about the ant and how we can go to the ant and learn a lot of wisdom from them. This is a cry to the sluggard. It says this, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in summer. And notice this last phrase here, And gathereth her food in harvest. So it's kind of the idea, understanding there's coming a day when there won't be any food, so gather it in harvest and lay up some stores like the ant does, right? Uh, knowing that there's feast times and there's famine times. And so build up in the feast times. So there's obviously some scriptural principles and some understanding about this idea of saving. So uh, number three there, saving, okay? Uh, let's deal with this idea. See where your money is going and the power of a budget. Now, we've already done a budget. We're not going to do a whole other lesson, a big explanation of all of that. But the Bible does say in Proverbs 27, verses 23 through 24, it says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flock, and look well to thy herds. For riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? So there's a question there. Hey, be wise about your money that you got, and, and tell it where to go, and be on top of things. I think a lot of people, if you sit down and wrote out all your expenses for last month in October, you might be shocked at how much you spent on some categories. I spent that much on eating out. I spent that much on medical. I spent that much on food and groceries, you know. And sometimes if we look at that, well, the Bible says you ought to be wise in knowing the state of your finances. Know the state of your flock. Understand where your money's going and be on top of that. And, of course, that's what a budget is. And so that's a big part of this aspect of saving. If you're going to say no to spending some things so that you can save for later, a budget is a very powerful tool to be able to save and invest as you tell your money where to go and help yourself be disciplined to tell it where to go, it'll help you in that way uh, of being able to save. So let her be there, emergency fund. Now, this is a, uh, a wonderful tool. Um, again, let me give you some scriptures and then we'll kind of dive into this idea. Um, you say, well, I don't, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I'm tired of uncertainty with my money. I'm tired of living in this flux of up-down. Now, I understand there are stages in life where that just happens, right? I mean, with inflation the way it is right now, and the way price of groceries and housing and everything else has just gone absolutely berserk. It's just gone crazy here of recent over the last year or two. Uh, it might be one of those things where you were doing well financially, and now it's kind of gotten tight, Right? So this is what you say might be a hedge of making you feel those tight moments of saying, hey, I've got some money set aside, and that's what an emergency fund is for. So Proverbs 27 and verse number 12 would describe it this way. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are perished. Now we could spend a whole sermon right here on this verse. But here's what it says. If you're prudent, somebody who is uh, on top of things, somebody who is diligent, somebody who is forward-thinking, 
Okay, here's what happens. The Bible says if you are that way, you'll foresee something bad that's going to happen and you'll protect yourself from that. But he says a simple person pass on and they get punished. So the, the illustration here is like there's something in the road up ahead that's dangerous and a prudent person has their eyes up and they are looking ahead and they say, hey, that's dangerous. I need to be careful about that. I'm going to go a different way. The simple are doing like uh, one of our good friends, Tucker Braun. He had his three-year-old somewhere at the zoo. And next thing we know, he was just gone. <laughs> he just disappeared. We didn't know where he was. So freaking out, you know, because we were up in uh, St. Louis area. We went to the zoo with some friends, and he's just off. Well, they found him, and here's what he was doing. He was watching his feet, and he lost the whole group because he was watching his feet. And he's still doing it. They found him, and he's over there. Hudson's just like, hey, what's everybody doing? And he's over there just watching his feet. And that's fine for a three-year-old, but those are a little older. If you're running into things and having problems with that, you know, get your eyes up, right? Be prudent. But that's not true just of walking and dangers. That's true in financial matters as well. A prudent person who has their eyes up and has some foresight and some thought process to say, hey, uh, there could be some evil days ahead. There's, there could be some danger up here. I need to be wise about this. But the simple pass on and they're punished, right? And so there's some prudence in this idea of saving and setting aside an emergency fund. Remember in Genesis chapter number 41, we won't take the time to read all these verses, uh, but it talks about Pharaoh and, of course, uh, during the time of the famine, there was going to be the seven lean years, or seven fat years, excuse me, and then the seven lean years. And so Joseph, of course, comes in on the scene and he interprets the dreams of Pharaoh about the cows and the corn swallowing up stuff. And he goes, okay, here's what it means. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. Yeah. So what did they do during the seven years of plenty? They ate, drank, and were merry, right? And ate it all up. No, no, no. They ate what they could live off of, and then they laid up in store all the other. And then what happened the seven famine years? They had so much in abundance, they were buying land with the corn that they had. They, were, they got way ahead financially because of the prudence and the, the wise thinking of Joseph in the land of Egypt during that time of plenty. So obviously there's some scriptural principles about laying aside some excess in order for those down and uh, bad times, okay? So let me give you this. The rule of three to six months of expenses. So here's uh, kind of the rule Dave Ramsey and other ones give, which is this. What do you spend in an average month, all your expenses? Your emergency fund ought to be three to six months of that. So your housing, utilities, groceries right? Car, all that stuff, whatever you would spend in about a three to six month period, you ought to have that set aside as kind of a rainy day fund. We do that here at the church. Uh, we, we have our missions fund and we, we don't want to come to our missionaries and say, well, sorry, we didn't plan very well and we're out of money. So we've got set aside about six months worth of money in there so that if not another penny was given to missions, we can still pay them, yeah. right? And we do that with our general fund as well. So it's, it's prudence. It's wise to do that. And it's a very intelligent thing to have some money set aside, some expenses that are there. So kind of some uh, ideas of this. Keep it liquid, easily accessible. Uh, what we mean by liquid is if you need to, you can get it right then. Right? It can't be tied up in something that makes it very complicated to get. 
Although I'll say this, if you struggle with money, don't make it too accessible. Or else you'll spend it, okay? So maybe a money market account, a savings account at a different bank, <laughs> if you struggle with that. Uh, I know for us, we have our, our checking and we have a savings account, and we're able to put it in that savings account, and we can have an emergency fund set aside right there, okay? Uh, so a couple things also on this. Apart from the emergency fund, you ought to save for major purchases, save for major purchases, like a vehicle, a house, kids' colleges. Plan ahead, right? Don't be taken off guard or uh, caught unawares that those things are coming. Uh, we're even being thoughtful now of saying, hey, our, our van's getting older. And so let's kind of maybe start setting aside some money every month so that when it comes time, we can just buy the vehicle and avoid having the interest and having all that that's involved with uh, having a car payment. And so maybe save for some major purchases and foresee that that's coming and understand, hey, I need to set aside some money for this, right? Don't be taken off guard when it comes time for your insurance to come due or for your taxes to be paid, right? Plan ahead for those things and set aside that money and save so that you have it ready to go, whether it's a major purchase or some minor purchases that are involved with that. All right, uh, letter D there, the Charles Pugh rule. <clears throat> I call this because that's my dad, and he's the one that told me this, and I thought it worked really well. Uh, he always told me this, David, tithe to yourself. Now, understand we just talked about tithing last week. So I'm not talking about don't pay your tithe and instead just keep it. What I'm saying is, just like you give 10% of all your increase to the Lord, why not save 10%? Just right off the top, just live off of 80% of your income and just save 10%. And so that's what my dad uh, did for the longest time, and it was just kind of a principle that he lived by. Maybe it would be helpful for you to think in that way if you've never done savings before. Uh, it might be a helpful way to, to look at that and think about it. Okay. Uh, number four, let's talk about investing. Okay, we talked about saving. Now let's talk about investing. Investing, making your money work for you. Okay, we want you to, uh, this is a blessing about investing, is you can work to get your money or you can have your money work to get your money. Right? You can work a job and get money, but in addition to that, you can have the money you already own work passively and earn you income interest off of that, investing, wonderful things that God has given us uh, that are around, okay? It's not a new thing in capitalism. It's been around for forever that there has been this wisdom of this idea of investing and laying up for the future. So the question is, what is investing? I don't want to take it for granted that everyone just knows what we're talking about with this. So investing is expending money with the expectation of achieving a profit. So basically we're saying this, you're, you're putting money into something, you're spending money on an uh, investment, you're buying a stock or a bond or whatever it might be with the hope of this, that it's going to increase in value, right? So that when you sell it, it's worth more than when you bought it. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about investing. I have to really make this clear. Investing is not gambling. And uh, boy, sometimes it can feel that way, uh, but it's not. Okay, the reason I say that is, although it does involve risk, investing is strategic, it's got a track record, there's some expectation of achieving a profit. Okay, if you're like, I'm investing, putting money in a slot machine and pulling the handle, uh, that's a dangerous way, but there's a lot of people that do that, playing day trading and with stocks and things. And just being just as transparent, a lot of people that do almost as if they're going to play the slots with what many people call investing. Be wise about this thing. I'm going to tell you right out of the front right now, uh, I am by no means any type of financial advisor. We actually have a person that we use, and we call them and we say, hey, 
uh, here's our money, invest it wisely, and we have meeting every year and talk to them about how we're handling all that, and I would encourage you, find somebody like that. Uh, find somebody that's good and reputable uh, that can help you in this area so that it's not gambling and guesswork. There's some thought that's put into it and some wisdom that's achieved in this, okay? So let me give you a little bit of an illustration of how this investing thing works. In 1950, um, a Coke, as far as I understand, someone told me, some of y'all can correct me later about this, but people told me you could buy a lot more with a lot less, and a Coke would cost you about a nickel. Some of y'all are like, I remember those days, good old days, right? And so you go buy a Coke for a nickel. Have you been to the gas station lately? I don't even know what they are anymore. Yeah, like two, three dollars for a, a bottle of soda. It's gotten extremely, extremely expensive with that. And this is thanks to a thing called inflation, right? We've really experienced that and heard a lot about it here lately. Today's prices in 2023 are 892.87% higher than the average prices in 1964. So why'd you pick 1964? That was the last year that we were using the silver standard and coins were silver and, and all that. Since that time, interest has just, uh, the inflation, excuse me, has just skyrocketed. Actually, the average inflation over those years has been 3.97% per year. In other words, a dollar in 1964 would be the equivalent today of having $9.93. So it's just that much more uh, has gone into it, which you have about 10%. What you could buy with a dollar then, you can buy about 10% of what you could buy then today with it. It's just amazing. So just understanding that, if you were to, instead of buying a Coke, I guess you could look at it this way, buy a Coke and you still had that same Coke from way back when, granted if it doesn't go bad, and you were to hold on to that Coke that you bought for five cents then and were to have it today and sell it at the market rate, you would have kept up with inflation, right? But our goal is here to, to beat inflation. That's what we want to do with investing is you want to be above that inflation rate so that you can earn and have money to live on. So here's some scriptural truth about investing. We've got several verses here. Uh, you've got the references there in your notes, but I'll put up the verses up here on the screen. Proverbs 21.20 says, There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling place of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. This, of course, was our starting verse that we talked about in the very beginning, that there is treasure and oil in the dwelling place of the wise, but a foolish man will spend it all. So instead of spending, invest it so that you have those things there. Same principle as saving, just in a little bit of a different vehicle here. Proverbs 21.5 says, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want. Proverbs 30, verses 24 and 25 says, There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. All right. Luke 14, verses 28 through 30 says this, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first? And counteth the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it. Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Now, here's the idea. Right now, a lot of you all are like me. You're still working age. And right now is the time that we're able to have money coming in that we need to be smart about. Because one day we're going to be like some other folks that are in the church right now that are retired. Right? And we want to get to that point and not be dependent on the government to take care of it because, let's be honest, they don't manage things very well. 
So take responsibility for the money you're making now and set some things aside knowing this, hey, count the cost. You might not be able to work or want to work when you're in your 70s or your 80s, right? So be thoughtful about that and plan ahead. So types of investments, okay? Uh, first one is this, stocks. Stocks are buying a portion of a single company. So uh, the Coke illustration, going back to that, if I say I wanna, I wanna invest in the Coke company, I could go to their stock and I could purchase um, amount of those stocks, right? An individual thing. On that, I'm betting on that company. Coke's either gonna do really good or they're gonna do really bad, okay? So you're, you're putting money in that one company. There's another thing called bonds. This is buying debt of a corporation or more to the point a lot of times of the government. Uh, right now, I think bonds are quite up actually because of the interest rates that the Fed keeps raising and things. And so bonds are basically saying you're buying the debt of what somebody else has purchased and you're paying them so they can have debt and they're gonna pay you back with interest. That's what a bond is. Okay, number three here, this is probably a, one of the most well-used vehicles is a mutual fund. This is a fund compromised, excuse me, compromised, comprised of a group of stocks or bonds or both of them. So it's a, if you say it this way, it's a diversified, talk about that word here in a minute. It's a mixture of a bunch of different things. So instead of you just owning Coke, this one thing you can buy into maybe has 10 different companies in it. So if Coke tanks, the other one might do good, right? So a mutual fund is a little bit more of a um, protected thing that you can invest in in that way. Uh, number four here, real estate, <clears throat> physical property, which as you probably recognized here of late has just skyrocketed and gone ridiculous. And so obviously over the course of time, primarily and mostly, real estate and land, it goes up in value over time. So there's money to be made there. Of course, there's a whole big list of other things. I won't really go into these because there may be other things you could look into: commodities, minerals, bank products like money markets, CDs, annuities, cryptocurrencies, be careful with all that stuff, insurance, uh, precious metals, etc. Okay, there's a whole list of stuff out there. And again, I'm not a financial advisor sitting up here telling you, you need to buy this, don't buy this, this is good, this is bad. It's simply saying this, understand investing is a scriptural principle and it's good to be very diligent and wise. Don't gamble, don't guess. We're gonna talk about that here in a minute, but be wise and diligent about, hey, this is God's money. I wanna have it laid up in store for many years to come. So how do I do this most advantageously and, and use it in the right way? So this is one of the big words that comes to it is diversification. This is simply this. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. If, if you put everything, so like every month you're dumping money into Coke, right? And you're just buying all kinds of Coke stocks. And then all of a sudden nobody ever wants to drink Coke again because somebody found some human body part in a Coke bottle. I don't know. You say, Preacher, your mind is morbid. I don't know. That's what it's like. Anyways, you say well, nobody wants to drink Coke anymore and the Coke company just, it tanks. Well, now you've lost all your money because you put all of your eggs in one basket. So when we talk about diversification, it's simply saying this, have some money here, some money here, some money there, so that if one thing tanks, it doesn't wipe you out. You have some things that are spread out. Boy, a lot of people have experienced this, you know, back in 08 and some other times where the stock market just absolutely tanked and they had all their money there and they just lost it all. And so there's a, a big wisdom in this idea of diversification. Ecclesiastes 11.2 talks about this. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, 
for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. It's kind of this. Hey, you never know what's going to prosper, this one or that one. So diversify. Spread it out and be wise about it. Okay? Letter E. Depreciation versus appreciation. Okay? So simple thing about this. Appreciation goes up in value, like stocks, real estate, traditionally will go up over time. And then there are things that depreciate. They go down in value, like cars, boats, furniture, equipment. It wears down. It goes down, 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 right? So if you have all this stuff, and you say, man, I bought this cool boat, and I've got these awesome cars, and I've got all this stuff, five, ten years from now, that stuff will be worth very little compared to the day you bought it, whereas like maybe a house or stocks or bonds, they'll be worth a lot more. And so that's the idea of understanding these different things. Okay, so there's a retirement vehicle. This is saying if I'm going to buy stocks or I'm going to buy bonds or I'm going to buy a mutual fund, there are some things that our government has put together that you can put those in to uh, help you for retirement. So thinking about like planning ahead, us that are younger. So again, these are some things to think about. A traditional IRA is a tax break today, but you pay the taxes later. Now, the way our government has gone, are the taxes going to be more higher tomorrow or higher today? Probably tomorrow, right? They just keep going up and up and up and up and up and up, just keep more and more and more taxes. So oftentimes, a traditional IRA doesn't make a whole lot of sense for guys my age, especially if you're my age. Okay. Second thing is this, a Roth IRA. So what me and my uh, wife have is a vehicle. We have a lot of things that are within that vehicle uh, that we're using as a retirement fund. What we do now is we pay taxes on our money today, but then all the growth that comes in that is all tax-free. And then, of course, a 401k, if you are at a place where your employer offers a 401k with a match, take advantage of that. It's free money. If they're saying, hey, we'll give you 2%, 3%, and if you put that in there, we'll put it in there and match it, Put 2 or 3% in there and get all that free money. It's like getting a raise for free. It is a wonderful thing to get, and uh, it can be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Okay, so let me give you some rules of investing. These are some practical, just wonderful, hopefully will be helpful to you here. First one is this. Never buy anything that you do not understand. Uh, if you don't have a grasp on it, I'm not talking about being an expert. I'm not talking about you know everything there is to know about it, and you, you know trends, and you know exactly. But if you don't understand it, then it's probably not for you. Or you need to find somebody who has a heart of a teacher who can sit down and they can explain to you what it is in a language that you understand so you go, I get it. I understand what this is and it makes sense. Okay, number two is this. Time matters, timing doesn't. Time matters, timing doesn't. Compound interest is your friend. Somebody who starts saving, hey, if you're in your 20s or 30s, you start saving now, you're going to be way ahead of the game than somebody who starts in their 50s or their 60s. Compound interest works so well in yours because you put a dollar in and that has a dollar 25 and then more, 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 and it compounds. The money you earn interest on then earns interest for you. It's a wonderful thing to have down the road. Don't play the market, okay? Uh, it's a, again, time matters, timing doesn't. So don't sit there and wait. Is it a good time? Is it a bad time? It's good to start and start early. Okay. And then the third thing is this. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. That's just sound advice for anything in life. If, if it sounds like, man, this is so good, this is perfect. They say if I put uh, $10 in, I'll have a million dollars in two years. Okay. It's probably too good to be true because it probably is. And there's a lot of scam artists and charlatans that are out there. 
uh, and uh, they will lead you down the wrong path. So if you're saying, this sounds a little too good to be true, the case is it probably is. Okay, let me give you two final thoughts here. First was this, be ethical. Be ethical. There's a lot of people that are very unethical in their financial dealings. Don't be that way. God hasn't called us to be that way. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Earn your money and invest your money and do it all above board and do it in an equitable and correct and ethical way. Okay? And then the final thought is this, and this is so key, trust in the Lord. If you walk away with nothing else here tonight, walk away with this. Because we live in a lot of economical and financial uncertainty right now. We, we do. I mean, it's just, it's all around us. And, and I know it's not the first time or the last time that it's ever going to happen. But we live in some financial uncertainty. So simply understand this. The Bible has a lot more to say about the dangers of saving than it does about the advantages and wisdom of saving. You say, well, you're talking about both sides of your mouth? No, understand this. It's wise to save. It's unwise to trust in your savings. So the Bible talks about the lack of, of wisdom and, and how foolish it is for somebody to spend their whole life saving, 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 and then put all of their reliance and trust in that which could be wiped out in a day. And one day is going to be absolutely burnt up anyways. It's, so understand, you know... If that is, again, going back to Sunday morning here, if life under the sun, living life on this earth, for this earth, it really is vanity. It's vexation of soul. And that's true of our savings as well. Is it prudent? Is it wise? Come on, we've read so many verses tonight about the prudence and the wisdom of saving. But do not put your trust in those riches. Don't, don't find your peace in those riches. Or if what, what's going to happen is, is you're constantly going to be worried and fretting. Uh-oh, the market did this. Am I going to lose this? Uh-oh, this happened. Is this going to be the problem? And you're constantly going to be worrying about that. The Bible says, actually, let's turn there in our Bible. Matthew chapter number 6. We'll read this and we'll be done. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 19. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 19. It's up here on the screen, but if you want to open up your Bible, it would be helpful to do that as well. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 19. He says this, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. For either he will love, excuse me, hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things did the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Here it is. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now here's the thought. Life lived for God, right? Life under the S-O-N, that type of life not worried or anxious about what all's taking place, but it's a life lived for the kingdom of God, laying up treasures in heaven, being thoughtful and wise about saving and investing and doing what you're supposed to do. But a life lived for the kingdom of God is so much different than a life that's full of worry and anxiety and stress and a life that's worried about raiment and food. And as he says, don't live that way. That's not what I have for you. Okay, let me give you these last uh, deals here, these points, and then we're done. Okay, practical application for my personal financial life. Number one is this. God wants me to save for short-term and long-term goals. Okay, letter B. God wants me to prepare for days of evil by having an emergency fund in place, knowing that the air conditioning is going to break, the hot water heater is going to leak, I'm going to need a new roof. So plan for those days, have money set aside for that, and be wise about it. Okay, number three, it is wise to invest and set aside money for the future and retirement. And then this final thought here, number four, God doesn't want me to unwisely put my trust in money, savings, and retirement funds. Instead, God wants me to have faith in Him. Okay. Well, anyway, let's all stand together as we come to a time of invitation.